Hi, this is Denny O'Neill, and you're listening to Batgirl to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon Podcast. Fly on, Babs lovers. Gotham City, like any other large metropolis, abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes. Debutantes, nurses, stenographers, and librarians. Gotham City Library, Miss Gordon speaking. Lopez hair removal, this is Jose. Holy transformation. One minute, plain Barbara Gordon, librarian and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And the next minute, something new has been added. Batgirl, modeled after her idol, Batman. Holy apparition! No, Boy Wonder, I'm Batgirl. You are no longer alone, Cape Crusader. It took me three years to track down the Jade Gato, and three more to figure out how to steal it. Funny, it only took me ten minutes to figure out how to snatch it back. No matter how you do it, crime doesn't pay I'm your host, Stella. I'm Kimberly Rockmore, your Watchtower News Desk correspondent. And this is Bad Girl to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon Podcast, Episode 11, for August MMX. Episode 11 is brought to you by Wolverine's Hair Growth. Are you more of a Jason Alexander and less of a Patrick Dempsey? Do you have trouble finding dates due to the lack of your hair? Wolverine's Hair Growth will boost hair growth 200% without painful surgery. Finally, you can put your hand through your wavy Greek-like locks and feel like a man. Side effects may include an uncanny similarity to Cousin It, an irritable disposition, or a blue, ape-like creature running up to you and chucking you while screaming, Fastball Special. Batgirl to Oracle is also brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express, offering a discounted price for comics ready to hit the shelves. Examples of the prices you may encounter are October's Bruce Wayne The Road Home Batgirl No. 1 and Bruce Wayne The Road Home Oracle No. 1, both for $2.69. So, if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out MileHighComics.com. Now, this is both you know, a, a happy and a sad moment, I guess, to tell you guys, but I... You know, a new job sort of just fell into my lap uh, last Saturday. What what date was that? Um, the 13th or so? Um, the 14th? Well, it's a teaching job, and I sadly only had around a week to prepare, so I'm actually in a frenzy right now, even though you can't tell. So I'm getting this one out because after this, it's sort of the unknown as to when the next one will come out. I think it may be late. I'm going to try 
uh, my darndest to get it out in September, but I just want to warn everyone that, you know, episode 12 may be in October, or October may have two, who knows. But right now, uh, I have been commuting two hours each way to get to this job, just, and, you know, school hasn't even started, the kids aren't even there yet. So, I'm going to be living with a teacher until the point that I have an apartment, and when I get an apartment, is probably going to be the time when I will be able to sit down and actually produce another episode so it's not it's sort of hard to do that when you're living in somebody's basement and well I don't have that much time either so I just wanted to uh, say that but you know this podcast is gonna continue so rest assured another episode will come out and it's actually rather ironic because somebody had recently asked you know are you still producing this podcast and I said oh of course and then a few days later you know I get a job where um, my my free time suddenly evaporated we did have some questions so I was excited about that and luckily there aren't a lot of them because even though I do like a lot of questions probably this time I have a lack of time in which to record and edit and and post so thank you for everyone in advance um, who sent in questions to me first we have rogue forever seven what is your favorite media incarnation of Babs? We all know Babs is your favorite Batgirl, but who is your favorite Robin? And have you read Oracle the Cure? Probably my favorite in, uh, media incarnation, which I guess this counts as... I mean, the comics, I think that would probably be number one. Um, if you're just talking about TV or movie, I think Batman the Animated Series, I definitely um, would say that she's my favorite and then probably it would go to uh birds of prey and then it would go to the batman the most recent uh cartoon incarnation mm, yes of course babs is my favorite background my favorite robin i would probably say is tim drake um i am a fan obviously of dick grayson but i think that <clears throat> i like him better as nightwing and i think that i i've had more um of a of a relationship with Tim Drake uh, because I you know the first series that I really read um, or one of the first was Identity Crisis and that was sort of a really emotional storyline for him so I definitely would say Tim Drake is my number one Robin next Dark Knight Jared here's one I don't think has been asked have you ever watched the Batman animated series that came out back in 2004? And if so, what did you think of the portrayal of Barbara in it? I actually liked the Batman. I know some people don't like it. Uh, they just think that... Um, well, I mean, the Joker... There are some very strange things to it. Obviously, Clayface was such a departure. Um, you have the Joker, which has dreadlocks and a snaggletooth. But... What was nice is that they did actually bring Barbara Gordon in first, which doesn't usually happen. You know, Robin is always the first sidekick to be introduced. And I liked her character. I thought she was spunky. Um, and I think she is always one of those really positive characters. Obviously, she has to differ from uh, Bruce Wayne's character. And one of my favorite episodes was actually and now I can't remember the name oh it was called Artifacts and it was sort of a fast forward and she was actually in she was Oracle at that point and um, I just remember you know and, and the clip is in my intro the uh, Juan's hair growth I think this is Jose 
just those really random uh, things. And I think she did that in the comics where someone would call, she'd know who it was, but then she would have this really weird answering machine. Um, or really weird answer, I guess, is the better way to say it. Um, it happened in Birds of Prey. I remember Dinah called her, and uh, she said it was some sort of salon. So I think she's spunky. I think uh, she was funny, and um, obviously the the costume was a little a little strange. But you know, when you're like a 12, 12, 12 year old girl, I think that's probably the best you can do. So she was obviously younger than the Barbara we had gotten used to in either. Batman the Animated Series or the comics. Next up we have Noctis. Once again you did a phenomenal job with the Miller interview. Thank you. Now on to the questions. Number one, as we're nearing the end of Stephanie's first year in the DCS Batgirl, in what ways has she matured in terms of being Gotham's new Batgirl? Well, she still has the problem of leap first, ask questions later, but I think it's less intense than it was, you know, in issue number one. Um, I definitely think that she no longer um, is second-guessing herself, which she had sort of gone through with that whole Scarecrow episode, you know, all these naysayers. Obviously, Cassandra is always in the back of her head. Batman, Bruce Wayne was always there. Um, and Tim, and then of course you have this presence of Dick Grayson as Batman and the new Robin sort of checking up on you and telling you you don't belong. So I think that's definitely, um, she doesn't have to worry about that anymore. She proved herself. So I think she, she doesn't think, or I guess she thinks now that, or knows now rather, that she belongs in this world, whether, you know, anyone likes it or not, but they do like it. Um, I think her investigative skills are better than they were in the beginning, but she doesn't. She still doesn't do too too much. So I, I hope that's one of the things that Brian Q. Miller uh, builds upon. I think now she's also not afraid to ask for help if it's needed, and I think that was a big stepping stone. And that's that's something that seems to apply to every Batgirl. And certainly Barbara still had problems with it when she was starting out as Oracle, just being able to ask for help. So I think in those uh, what three ways, I think she's definitely matured. Okay, number two. In what areas, such as combat, detective skills, or other trademark Bat family traits, does she still need to improve on? I definitely think detective skills. Um, like I said, she didn't do too much of it. I think she was relying a lot upon, upon Oracle. Uh, but now if she has, you know, Wendy as her handler, I think it's going to be more of a 50% uh, partnership rather than 75-25 where it would have been with Oracle. Combat, um, I mean, she's pretty good, but it seems like she does get herself in a pickle a lot of times. I don't think she'd be able to beat Huntress in hand-to-hand combat, which is one of the things that um, in issue 11, I thought she should have ran away, frankly. Um, so I think I, everyone, I think, can, in, and can grow in many categories. So I definitely think that, yes, she does need to improve on combat detective skills. I think in terms of bad family traits, she just needs to be able to juggle her two lives because, I mean, college is a big part of it and, um, and her, her family and everything. So that, that should be interesting to see in the coming year. Number three, what is the greatest lesson Steph has learned from Babs so far? I think it's definitely that don't rush into things attitude that she needs to 
calm down and assess the situation before she jumps into it. And uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. I think that Babs definitely showed her that. And don't underestimate, I would say, your enemy. Because even if you think, oh, it's Dinky Firefly or it's Dinky Killer Moth, that, you know, he still has some tricks up his sleeve. So definitely don't underestimate them. And number four, what is your favorite waffle topping? Well, occasionally I like to eat waffles plain because they taste pretty good plain, really. Um, syrup, of course, is always a good choice. I actually really like blueberries. Um, so I think that would probably be my number one uh, topping choice. Next up, we have TNR105. I agree with everyone about the Miller Show. Great work. Thanks. My questions are, number one, what do you think of the details released about Batman Arkham Asylum 2 Arkham City? This game seems to be more focused on urban crime fighting featuring the mobsters of Gotham, i.e. Black Mask, Penguin, etc., and Two-Face trying to assassinate Catwoman. Alfred has replaced Oracle. Nightwing, Robin, and Batgirl are missing. Hopefully, since we will be able to play as Catwoman, we can unlock the rest of the Bat family, and Bats will be a skin for Batgirl. Wishful thinking. Okay. Um, I thought you meant missing from the game, but I understand. It's It's been a long time. I've been away from all internets of, you know, for several weeks. So, what you're saying is they're actually missing in the city somewhere and probably you have to go and find them. Well, that should be very interesting. Which Batgirl they're going to use, I wonder. Because um, it could be Cassandra or if they're taking it from very modern, modern times, it could be um, Stephanie. It Who knows? Um, well, urban. I think the urban thing is going to be very interesting. I think that gives a lot of opportunity for, obviously, free roam. Um, and then, like, you know, I'm a big proponent of having Black Mask in the movie, so this, I think this will be nice, and, you know, you can get a hint or a taste of what it would be like if they used him as a villain. The Catwoman thing, I think, is pretty interesting, and you know she's going to double-cross you at some point in the game, but it'll be cool to, perhaps, that'd be awesome if we could play as her, like you said. Yeah, I'm just, I guess, in general, looking forward to it all. Um, well, the fact that Alfred is Oracle, as as you're saying, um, I have to wonder where Barbara is at this point. So, I guess we'll see. I'll be pretty disappointed if uh, Barbara isn't in there at all. Overall, I'm pretty excited for the game, and I mean, if the first one's any indication, I dare say this one's going to be pretty awesome as well. Number two, have you listened to the Pendant Productions, Batman the Ace of Detectives audio drama? The podcast is on iTunes. It seems maybe they heard your opinions, and since Babs went into a Lazarus pit after being shot, she can walk. The latest episode involved her deciding to remain Oracle after discussing it with her fiancé, Nightwing. Well, no, I haven't, but certainly, um, I mean, that sounds very interesting, and it sounds fun, um, and hey, that is the way I would play it out, so I'll have to check that out when, when, when I get the chance. <laughs> Number three. We all know how you said the most awkward moment for Babs was her interactions with Starfire Nightwing Annual Number 2. Don't worry, here he admits he loves Bad more, and he, he gives me uh, a link to an image of a, a scan of a, of a particular page. But what about Batman Confidential Number 18, where Babs chases Catwoman to a nude party, and 
Uh, they engage in a naked cat fight. I think that maybe more dot 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 yeah dot dot dot. Well, I have heard about this because you know when I was going through things, all the lists of appearances of Barbara Gordon that popped up, and I asked someone who knew, and he said that that was probably one of the worst fluff. I don't know if you would call it fluff, cheesecake, just like really terrible stuff to ever come out. Um. So I think I might skip that. I have heard about it, but no, I, I don't think I will be reading it unless I like find it on a, on a shelf somewhere and I can peruse it, but I don't think I'm going to waste my money on that. Number five, have you seen Batman Under the Red Hood or read the comic storyline it's based off of? DC has announced the next Batman DTV will be Batman Year One, so maybe if that's successful, we will get Batgirl Year One as well. I have. I just recently watched it, and I thought it was really good. Voice acting was awesome. Um, I think it was probably one of the darker movies that they have produced. It was pretty chilling in some points. And even that um, the short they took with it, that was a chilling ending as well, the, the Jonah Hex. Um... I did know about the Batman Year One uh, direct to video, and hopefully, yeah, Batgirl Year One would be on its heels as well. I actually think that the one movie that could potentially push producers, creators towards making BYO more than uh, Batman Year One would be the the Superman Batman Apocalypse, just because it's really a feature about Supergirl. So. If that's a, a good seller, then maybe that'll be an indication to them that Supergirl was a big part of this, and people bought it, and they enjoyed it. So, we shall see. Number six. Have you read the Thrill Killer Elseworld version of Babs? She is a big focal point, and at the end, when Dick dies, she actually succeeds him as Robin. I have not. I've read a couple Elseworld stuff, but certainly nothing of Babs. I'll definitely have to check that out. Number seven. What... Is your all-time favorite Babs moment? This could be from comics, cartoons, etc. Mine actually is from the above-mentioned Batman Ace of Detectives. Before Babs was able to walk again, she was held hostage with Batwoman, her dad, and Talia. She confronted the Joker, and she beat him up from her chair, delivering an awesome speech the whole time. I recommend you listen to it as it takes you far into Babs' psyche. Oh, okay, the, the audio drama. Well, that sounds pretty cool. Um, This one's a hard one, but just because there are so many really good moments. Um, I really like in Batgirl Year One when she breaks into the Justice League. Oh, I'm sorry, it was Justice Society headquarters. I thought that was a good moment. Or at the very end when she's actually doing the pledge um, in front of Batman. But definitely a very powerful moment, I think, was when she, you know, shockingly died in Batman the Animated Series. And you just see this, like, whole impact uh, on her death. And I just think, you know, even though it, it turned out to be a nightmare, I think that a lot of that is realism. Just because if she were to die in the comics, I think it would have that, that huge impact that it did. Edit. In case you want to skip to the Bab storyline in the audio drama, it starts at issue 46 to present. Wow. 46 issues in the audio drama. How long are those? I'll have to check those out. Interesting. Edit number two. Sorry, I forgot one of my questions. Lol. We all know you believe Babs is a better match for Dick than Starfire. Yes. But who do you feel is a better match for Bruce, Selena or Talia? 
what are the pros and cons in each relationship and who should come out on top um i personally like selena kyle as a match for bruce i mean both of those it's going to be so hard because they're both good guys and bad guys um but I think it'd be easier for Selena Kyle to be a complete good guy than it would be for Talia. As for pros, well, Selena likes nightlife, um, so I'd say that's a pro. And a con may be that Cat and a Bat may not mix. Um, pro for Talia is she's got some connections and they could live forever. But a con is you've got one whacked out father-in-law. Uh, but still, I would probably choose Selena. I think that they have better chemistry, um, a better relationship. Okay, so that is it for the questions. Uh, thanks to everyone who wrote in and asked. Um, I'm not sure when the next time will be, when you will be able to ask questions, but of course you can just uh, email me and it will be read whenever, or you can go on the message board and I will be posting a topic that says questions for episode 12 dot 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 and you will be able to go on there whenever you see that so actually the message board speaking of that I went on yesterday and all of a sudden I'm you know I, I look and the font is completely different from the last time that I saw it not to say that I don't like it but it's just a very shocking change I also know that there's a new menu icon and it looks contrasting well, contrastingly different is um, repetitively redundant, but it looks very different from the others. So rest assured, I will make some bat wings for that uh, one as well. But thank you, because I believe it was Noctis, most likely, since it wasn't myself who changed the font. So you'll have to comment and uh, let us know if you like the new change. And uh, just keep posting. I think we're up to like 34 members, so that's that's fun. Um, I hope it becomes more lively, uh, you know, if people uh, come in contact with this podcast more often, then perhaps there will be more discussion. But I always appreciate going on there and just talking with fans um, of, of whatever character and reading Zias' reviews, of course. So right now we're going to head over to the Watchtower News Desk where Kimberly Rockmore is standing by. Kimberly, it seems like everyone is abuzz, all these different news pieces that have come in. You're absolutely right, Sela. I'm really excited with all the news that we got this month, and so I'm just going to dive right into it. Um, First of all, Joanna from the Collectors Weekly pointed me towards the direction of a really interesting article entitled Fighting Fans, excuse me, Unmasking Female Superheroes with Comic Book Historian Mike Madrid. And this was all, of course, by Lisa Hicks. Um, It was really interesting. You really got uh, a sense of the history of females. Um, It really highlighted the the history of Wonder Woman since she has undergone such a drastic change. And, of course, Batgirl was highlighted. Then, of course, those who have picked up the two most recent DVD or Blu-ray releases from DC Entertainment have been treated to a special short. On the release of Justice League Crisis on Two Earths, fans were treated to an original short featuring the Spectre, which I have not seen because I bought the single-disc version. Then Jonah Hex, starring ex-Punisher Thomas Jane, was a short on the recent release of Batman Under the Red Hood. Now, Warner Premier has announced that they will be releasing a full DVD of these collected shorts, including the yet-to-be-seen Green Arrow short. Also included in this compilation is the never-before-seen short starring Superman and Captain Marvel. 
The press release states, In Superman Shazam, The Return of Black Adam, Clark Kent's latest interview subject is street kid Billy Batson. What Clark doesn't know is that Billy is more than a feisty kid with a lot of heart. He has been chosen by an ancient wizard to represent the good of man as the world's mightiest mortal, just by invoking the name of the wizard Shazam. Billy's powers come none too soon, as he also discovers he's being pursued by a centuries-old murderous villain, Black Adam, a foe so powerful even Superman can't stop him alone. The all-star cast of Superman Shazam! The Return of Black Adam is led by Jerry O'Connell as Captain Marvel, George Newbern reprising his Justice League role as Superman, Arnold Vuzlu as Black Adam, and James Garner as the Wizard. And speaking of animation, Batman Beyond the Complete Series is being released on DVD on November 23rd, 2010. Included are all 52 episodes on 7 discs. Also included are season retrospectives, bonus disc with 95 minutes of new special features, Secret Origin, the story of DC Comics documentary, and three all-new featurettes plus a booklet featuring artwork from the DC archives. The MSRP value is $99.99, but you can find it on Amazon.com for $74.99. This is a limited release, and since Batman the Animated Series is nowhere to be found except on eBay, I recommend getting this ASAP. I'm going to ask it for Christmas. And more animation news. Batman Superman Apocalypse is being released September 28, 2010. This movie, while not called Batman Superman Supergirl, basically revolves around the introduction of Supergirl. This is a good test run for another superheroine-led film. The creators are playing it safe by not putting her name in the title, but we aren't naive. If this goes well, perhaps Batgirl will get a little push. Just listen to some quotes I pulled from the 12-minute featurette found on Batman Under the Red Hood from Bruce Timm, we write for the fans, so we have to think, what do the fans want to see? And Lord Montgomery, whenever we get the chance to do something that can benefit women or be a role model to women, it's a good thing. Well, they're talking sense, but all I can hear over here is Batgirl Year One. Finally, coming out in trade paperback form is Batgirl, greatest stories ever told. Batgirl takes center stage in this collection, which includes her 1967 debut and various stories through the 1990s. The million dollar debut of Batgirl, Detective Comics number 359. The Orchid Crusher, Detective Comics number 369. A Burial for Batgirl, Detective Comics number 400. The Unmasking of Batgirl, Detective Comics number 422. Candidate for Danger, Detective Comics number 423. Batgirl's Last Case, Detective Comics number 424. The Invader from Hell, Batman Family number 1. Startling Secret of the Devilish Daughters, Batman Family number 9. Folly Adieu Part 1, Legends of the DC Universe number 10. Folly Adieu Part 2, Legends of the DC Universe number 10. Photo Finish. Batman Chronicles number 9. This comes out on December 21st, 2010, is 160 pages and retails for $19.99. So 
Since I bought Green Lantern, the greatest stories ever told for a friend, I know that this release, at least, will be in color. Well, that's all I have at Watchtower News Desk. Back to you, Stella. Thank you, Kimberly. So we're going to take a little break, and when we get back, we're going to jump right into the reviews. See you soon.
First up, we have Detective Comics number 400, A Burial for Batgirl. It came out in June 1970. Writer, Danny O'Neill. Penciler, Gil Kane. And inker, Vince Coletta. Also contained in this issue is Challenge of the Mambat, the first appearance of Mambat. While driving to the Hudson University Library, Barbara Gordon hears a cry for help. As Batgirl, she enters into the building and is quickly subdued by an escaping young man. Getting to her feet, she finds a body, and after quickly going to search for the man who attacked her, she finds that he is being attacked by two students. Batgirl stops these students with the help of the timely arrival of Dick Grayson. Going to the police station, she tells the chief of police that she came up from Gotham City with her friend Barbara Gordon, who was delivering some rare books written by Edgar Allan Poe for an upcoming Poe festival. The police chief explains that the young man she helped to capture, Mark Osher, is probably the killer of Amos Willard, the school business manager. This is based on circumstantial evidence, namely the fact that Willard planned to have a nearby forest cut down so that the university could build a new gym, and this plan was opposed by Professor Huntington, the school's biologist. Osher was an outspoken student and threatened to kill Willard. Interrogating Osher, Osher claims that he is innocent that he was knocked out in the library and he had panicked when he awoke and found Willard's body. Going back to the scene of the crime to investigate, Batgirl is hit from behind and soon finds herself bound and gagged and her attacker using brick in order to seal her into a room. The story is continued in the next issue. Next issue is Detective Comics number 401, Midnight is the Dying Hour. Came out in July of 1970. Writer Denny O'Neill Penciler, Gil Kane, and inker, Vince Coletta. Also contained in this issue is Target for Tonight. One quote that I pulled out from both issues, I'm still wondering how you got involved, Batgirl. Maybe you'll tell me, huh? Maybe I will. Maybe I'll tell you lots of things. First one was coming from Robin, and the next from Batgirl. A little foreshadowing of things to come. Continuing from the previous issue, earlier in the evening, Dick Grayson had taken on his guise of Robin in order to conduct his own investigation of the murder. Finding that the body of Willard was pointing at a book of poetry, particularly the words Poe, and remembering the Poe festival, Robin finally realizes who the killer is. Rushing to the theater, where a new wing is being built for the festival, Robin catches the killer just before he can apply the last brick to Batgirl's tomb. However, the murderer manages to get away. Isn't that what always happens? After Robin frees Batgirl, the two heroes begin searching the theater for their first cooperative capture. 
After a chase through the theater, Robin and Batgirl manage to catch the killer, who turns out to be none other than the student Jack Markham. The first thing that is most apparent about this pair of issues is the fact that it is the first team-up between Batgirl and Robin. Let's ignore the fact that they only team up for three pages. Both issues advertise Batman's story as the cover. This is probably fitting, uh, at least for number 400, since it's uh, Man-Bat's origin, but it is unfortunate that such an important first team-up is pushed aside. The next thing that I really notice is that this story reads rather quickly. It seemed like it was over much faster than the Orchid Killer story. A Burial for Batgirl and Midnight is the Dine Hour came in at 8 pages compared to the Orchid Killer's 9 pages, so it's not much of a difference on paper, but when you read it, it really does seem shorter. Oh, and why is it called a Burial for Batgirl when the final tagline in number 400 is a Tomb for Batgirl, which seems much more appropriate? I was disappointed to see Batgirl encounter a minor backslide in her character, bemoaning the fact that she is a girl and making mistakes that Batman would never make. It seems like it has been a long time since seeing these types of comments, and I didn't really miss them. We also see Batgirl getting into more trouble than she did in the very beginning of her career. Perhaps all this is because there is a new writer on the scene. Once again, we see Batgirl, along with Robin, taking on a case that is not supervillain-oriented. Perhaps Batgirl your one spoiled me, but I really like the idea of these two taking on a rogue or a supervillain with a recognizable name, rather than a no-name street thug or a college student. I did really enjoy seeing the day lives and night lives of both Batgirl and Robin intersect. We see Robin at a college as Dick Grayson, and Edgar Allan Poe brought Babs as Batgirl and Batgirl to Hudson University. Ah, uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Did you know he went to the University of Virginia but dropped out? Interesting fact, no? Anyway, another reason I didn't like the bad guy in these issues is, number one, because his reason for committing the murder of Willard is dumb, and I don't really think it is even a reason. I mean, he wanted to discredit his peers? Why kill Willard for that? Um, and number two, because in one panel, he all of a sudden becomes a character that has become unhinged. You know, he went too into character, and because Robin says he's unhinged, so I guess he's unhinged. I don't know. We don't really see that, though. He's just a guy, and then all of a sudden, he's crazy. Who knows? And, of course, let me not forget the fact that in Willard's death throes, he was, ably, he was able to rationally think about revealing the killer's identity by pointing to a book that just happened to be lying really close to him. In the words of Allison from the show Originals, how strangely convenient. There was just a few too many elements in the story that didn't really add up, but let's just focus on the positive. You know, the first of many team-ups between Batgirl and Robin. I give this issue 6 out of 10 bats. I did find it entertaining and a quick read, but there were just too many problems that I had with it uh, to give it a better score. Next up in the modern category, we have Batgirl number 12, Batgirl Rising, The Flood, Part 4. Writer, Brian Q. Miller. Pencilers, Lee Garbett and Pere Perez. Inkers, Walden Wong and Pere Perez. And colorist, Guy Major. Now, I don't really want to go into much discussion here, since, um, obviously, Mr. Miller and I talked about this issue throughout his interview. So, it'll be probably one of the briefer reviews. 
As Oracle tries to muddle through the troubled and abused mind of Calculator, Batgirl works her way into Calculator's compound while avoiding all the traps and security. After Batgirl sees the always always terrifying words, time to self-destruct, she goes to find a failsafe and gets attacked by a techno-medusa hydra thingy. When it rains, it pours for Stephanie, but Wendy is there in order to offer an umbrella, crashing the helicopter into the compound and taking out the failsafe. Oracle finds her way out of Calculator's mind. Wendy basically forcibly shuts down her father's brain, and this chapter comes to a close. As a new chapter opens, Stephanie has another foot-and-mouth moment with Detective Nick. Steph and Wendy have a moment, and Batgirl finds herself facing Blimp Master, having a red-tipped Wendy as a backup to Oracle, known as Proxy, and Johnny C, the B-lister at the beginning of this arc, is a creeper. Well, I think we really had a strong beginning, uh, where Stephanie's voiceover shows her strength and resolve and really hits home the fact that she is Batgirl, gosh darn it, and she's taking it seriously. What I liked most about this issue was the fact that you had four different lives coming from wildly different points, and they all merged at the conclusion. I applaud um, Miller's judgment in waiting until later in the first year to bring forward a major plot, um, i.e. one that would involve uh, the calculator. Um, any sooner, I think, in this book would have been more about Wendy and Oracle and less about getting to know the new Batgirl. Since Wendy was first introduced in this book, uh, obviously I have not been the greatest fan of hers. I said this in that interview, but definitely I think this flood arc really uh, it spun the character for me, and I, I appreciate her a little more, and I think she's a lot less self-loathing than she was in the beginning. I was particularly happy with the ending because you really get a taste of how the chemistry will develop between Wendy and Stephanie. I am also glad to see that, uh, as it seems to me, uh, Batgirl's rogue gallery is being built up as we speak. We have Johnny C at the end and Blimp Master. This issue, um, like I, I brought up uh, in the interview, is certainly darker than uh, Miller's other arcs, especially when it came to Calculator's mind. Um, but I think that Stephanie's bubbly nature offsets some of these intense moments, but even... Even this issue, I think a lot of those things that you see when you're in his mind um, trumps, I think, her, her personality. One of the only things I suppose that I had, problem, uh, had a problem with was Wendy crashing the helicopter into Calculator's compound. I, along with Zayas, the reviewer over at the BTO boards, uh, both think this is a, a little far-fetched. I mean, it is a comic, so what can you do? But, uh, you know, who knows? Uh, but I give this issue 9 out of 10 bats. I think it was a, uh, an improvement over number 11, which I didn't like as which I did not like as much. I'm just interested. I mean, this is the, the end of her first year. Um, was it as explosive as it could have been for her first year? No. But uh, I think that the arc as a whole was very powerful to have at the conclusion of her introductory as Batgirl. Okay, next up, Birds of Prey number 3, End Run Part 3, Whistling Past the Gravestones. Writer, Gail Simone. Pencilers, Ed Benes and Adriana Mello. Inkers, Ed Benes and Mariah Benes. Colorist, Ney Rufino. After a rather disturbing daydream by Penguin, we find the birds inside the Iceberg Lounge trying to figure out their next move. 
when Gotham City SWAT bursts in, the birds go into action, and once again, Hawk is a jerk. While this is all going down, Oracle's security goes down. She realizes she should have been more paranoid, like Batman, and finds she's not alone when the not-so-dead Creote and Savant appear before her. Hawk gets hit by a dagger with a note attached which says, Choose. As he lies on the ground, bleeding out, Black Canary decides that it is time to take White Canary's threat to heart and goes to meet her in battle. Donna gets closer to revealing who White Canary is. Oracle is kidnapped. Gosh, didn't this just happen? Savant tells Barbara that she is going to reveal her identity. And White Canary reveals that Penguin is the mastermind behind it all, just as Penguin leads the remaining birds towards the unknown. Well, I have to say that I was quite disturbed while reading the first three pages of this issue. I figured it was a dream pretty quickly. Uh, you know, in what world would Huntress give a little mouth-to-mouth to Penguin? But I found out things that I probably wouldn't have cared to know. Like the fact that Zinda apparently does not wear a bra beneath her uniform. Huh. Yeah. Well, the whole scene was meant to be humorous and does kind of come off that way. It's so shocking to think that a woman wrote it. But not so shocking that a man drew it. Once again, Hawk seems to have uh, something stuck up the rear of his uniform. Besides crushing a tank and getting hit by a dart, I wonder what his point is or will be. I like the fact that Dinah steps up as a leader and decides to go after White Canary before any more people have to die. The moment between Dinah, Helena, and Zinda is strong without being unnecessary fluff. The reaction from Huntress seems natural for the character, and while I know Black Canary will never kill an enemy, the idea does seem like a necessary evil. Black Canary's voiceover remains strong and serves a second purpose in this issue as it starts crossing out the possibilities of who White Canary could be. We finally find out more about the plan and the players, so this issue certainly has momentum. I was shocked, of course, to find out Creote and Savant were still alive, but I was glad to see that, you know, the first threat to the reformed birds was so well thought out and close to the team. It is a little jarring, though, to be told in the previous issue that these two guys are dead, and then all of a sudden they're alive. But, you know. Besides the over-sexualized art at the beginning, Benez continues to do a great job. I really like the two panels at the end of the issue, where White Canary's vindictive eye is juxtaposed next to Black Canary's shocked eye as all is revealed. I do wonder, however, how Huntress is able to carry Penguin and Run. Likewise, Dove carrying Hawk. I mean, I know these women are built, but those two guys are at least double the size of the women. Hernia! I would give this issue 8 out of 10 birds. Pretty decent month overall. Um, I guess the detective leaving a little bit to de- to be desired. I think Batgirl overall being the, the stronger of all four books that I had read. Next up, I've got my literary recommendation. It is Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. 
the novel follows the lives of four sisters, Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy March, as they overcome their character flaws, Meg, vanity, Joe, her hot temper, Beth, her shyness, and Amy, her selfishness. In the course of the novel, the girls become friends with their next-door neighbor, Lori. Um, the book depicts the lighthearted, often humorous activities of the sisters and their friend, such as creating a newspaper and picnicking and the various scrapes that Joe and Lori get into. Joe consistently struggles with the boundaries of 19th century society, um, which is placed on females, uh, including not being able to fight in a war, not being able to attend college, and of course being pressured by her lovely Aunt March to find a suitable husband to take care of her. I'm sure you guys are all familiar with Little Women, but I'd probably say that less than half of the people who know what Little Women is have read it. Um, I think it was a, a read that was well worth its time. It provided both humor and moral lessons. I originally read this in order to study for an audition I was going to go out for, but sadly I will no longer be able to have, uh, t I will no longer be able to do that, you know, because I have a job now. How depressing. Uh, but I definitely highly recommend this book. Um, I'd say probably the girls um, that are listening would enjoy it more than the guys. And it is longer. It's um, about 530 pages. But that was my book and the print was larger. So it may not be as much. Well, that's the end of episode 11. Can you believe it? Um, I think I asked that a lot. But it's just shocking to me, I guess, each time I come out with you know an, another episode wow it's episode 12 wow it's episode you know it just seems like man my my dream my, this 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 wonderful little hobby or you know whatever you know people have taken to it and they enjoy it so i'm i'm glad and i have fun of course you can send any questions or comments to backroll your uh, or i'm sorry backroll to oracle at gmail.com sorry i have backroll your one um in my head of course you can continue to Sign the petition to get Batgirl Year One back into production. It ain't over till it's over, folks. Uh, you can go to www.gopetition.com forward slash petitions forward slash Batgirl dash year dash one dot html, or you can go on to my uh, home page at Batgirl to Oracle dot com, and there's actually a little icon over there that says sign the petition. Once again, thanks to Mile High Comics for sponsoring Batgirl to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Until next time, fly on, Babs lovers. Just plain Barbara Gordon, masquerading for a lark as she rides into the night on her special Batgirl cycle. Who knows? Is the dynamic duo destined to become the triumphant trio? Only time will tell us more about this dazzling dare doll. Ah, I love a happy ending, don't you?